0: This is An American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to re-watching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Katie White, and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host, Chad Hopkins. How's it going, Chad?
1: It's going okay. I finally uh, ended my summer. Today was my first day back at work, so...
0: Oh, really? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how this goes going forward. I'm, I'm looking forward to being back at work, in a sense, because I'm... Switching things up to what I'm more familiar with, but still, it's work. Yeah. (laughs) How are things with you?
0: Oh, the same. You know, ready for fall. Uh, Yeah. It's, yeah. Everyone leaves town in New York. Um, Just, I work at a nice restaurant, so all the rich people leave New York for the summer. Mm -hmm. And um, it's been very slow, so my wallet is ready for fall.
1: Yeah, I bet. (laughs)
0: So we do have some thank yous for uh, reaching out to us this week. We had emails from Amy, Leslie, and Dirk. We have a new Patreon, Michael. Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for your support. Got some Twitter messages from at NoFingertapes, from Adel, Edel, and from Avi. and a Facebook message from Nathan. So thank you all for reaching out and for your support. And um, if you're even if you just drop by to say hi, we really appreciate it.
1: And let's just go ahead and jump into it because we got a lot to cover in this episode. Uh, First, before Katie gives us the stats, it's important to note that last week we celebrated an important anniversary for us. It being our 52nd episode, one-year episode, as it were. This is The Office's 100th episode. It just happened to align with the Season 5 finale. So 100 episodes in, which means we're basically halfway through because there's 201 episodes total of The Office. So. Uh, another half to go. <laughs>
0: yeah, a nice clean ending at the end of season five too. Well, it aired. Uh, Company picnic. It is aired on May fourteenth, two thousand and nine. Directed by Ken Quapis. Written by Paul Lieberstein and Jen Salata.
1: It's time for the annual Dunder Mifflin Company Picnic, so all of the branches of Dunder Mifflin are gathered together in the spirit of fun and camaraderie. Michael is most excited because all of Dunder Mifflin being there means that Holly Flax makes her return, and the pair of them get together to perform a skit for everyone that goes uh, more or less as you'd expect. Other points of interest include volleyball games and a special bit of news at the very end.
0: Yes. Big episode for everyone. Um, we should probably start with Michael and Holly. Michael knows in advance that he's going to be seeing Holly. Um, they had planned to do this skit, this entertainment thing for the company picnic. Um, and he knew about it and he's holding it together pretty all right. Um, he kind of divulges his his feelings for Holly to the camera, but he really doesn't let it slip to her how he's feeling uh which is not the michael we've grown to know and love at all
1: right at the very start of the episode kevin is the one who points out to him hey isn't that holly and Michael says oh yeah it's fine we're friends now and he as he says divulges to us via talking head yeah we're not we, we can't just be friends i lied to kevin i have a bullet pointed list of reasons that we should be together uh, number one being that we are soup snakes. I mean, soulmates. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, and so Michael is all in on this. He he still thinks very highly of her. All these months later, remembers their time together really fondly, which we talked about back at lecture circuit. Even though she wasn't in that episode, uh, he interacted with AJ, her boyfriend, who is there with her. Um, And things didn't go super well then. But in that episode, remember, Pam got the letter from, well, Michael stole the letter from uh, Holly's desktop uh, that was addressed to him, but she never sent. And so Pam read it and deleted it and told Michael, basically, it's not over. So Michael is going into this situation with, yeah, Holly and AJ are still together, but Pam says, I still got a chance. So we're sort of waiting the whole episode for him to... uh. I don't think homewrecker is the right word, but I mean, it's like he we're sort of expecting him to try and make an attempt at Holly and maybe break up that relationship.
0: And AJ and Holly aren't just together. They are designing a house together. Um, Mm -hmm. They are either living together and moving or moving in together um, soon. So they are very serious. Um, It's got to be uncomfortable for Michael, and it's a huge sign of growth that he... I mean, he lets a couple of things slip because it's Michael, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's not super aggressive. He's not really inappropriate. He's, you know, jealous, but yeah, um, we would expect that. So I'm really proud of him in this episode, and um, he kind of h- handles his whole day with Holly really well. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: He is fun, he's flirtatious, but not a lot. Just kind of, just friendly. Um, and I, I think I think he put his best foot forward for sure.
1: And as for this skit that they put together, first off, Michael says, uh David has authorized Michael and Holly to do this presentation together. Um we we learned that David thought it was just going to be a song, which is maybe why he approved it. Uh, Otherwise, you'd think, you know, David, you you continue to put all this faith in Michael and trust in Michael when, I mean, very recently he was a competitor and he was doing some serious damage to your business. I I still question David's judgment, but I mean, I guess it shows that he's still a trusting individual overall and knows that Michael's heart is in the right place. But that being said, uh, as I alluded to in the plot summary, this goes about as well as you'd expect. I mean, first we get some of the planning because Michael didn't write the this, this skit before they got there. They get together and they brainstorm ideas and settle on something. And that, those are really sweet moments too. We see the two of them like lying in the grass together and eating chocolate covered strawberry. It, it's a date basically. Of course. Chocolate um, covered strawberries. yeah Right. And th- th- I mean, they're laying on their sides facing each other on the grass. It's, it's a pretty romantic setting to be honest. Um, yeah but Michael does refrain from making any sort of romantic gesture. They're just being, they're enjoying being in each other's company for the first time in months since, since um, employee transfer, I guess, back mm-hmm. at like episode three of season five. Uh, So we saw the planning. We see that they're in sync with their humor again. They make, jokes at like the same time, the whole Jaws dunder, 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 dunder. They they come to that at the same time. And we learned in the commentary that that was an improvised moment too. So that makes it even better.
0: That they actually both thought of that together. Right. I mean,
1: they're so in sync with each other. It's just like, we saw how good a fit they were back in the beginning of the season. And this is just sort of continuing right where they left off. But... It's really their humor is in sync with each other, not with everybody else. They get on stage, <laughs> right. and it is the most painfully awkward thing for everybody, except for Stanley, who is weirdly enjoying it. <laughs> um, but they focus it on Slumdog Millionaire. They call it Slum Dunder Mifflin Air, and instead of making it like strictly a game show, because they're supposed to be giving the the history of Dunder Mifflin is the the concept of the presentation. Like, why not just make it? Uh, Who wants to be a millionaire and ask questions and pass on information that way that that that's the first place they mess up because they bring in stuff from the movie like torture yeah. and and, and uh, flashbacks it's just it's strange and then they start asking inappropriate questions like how Robert Mifflin killed himself and th- th- at that particular moment in the sketch the camera starts looking into the audience and finds the kids and highlights yeah. the kids as they're being told how robert mifflin killed himself uh it it and it only gets worse from there i mean ugh.
0: i think the worst part of his whole mm-hmm. skit was that they accidentally outed some big news that um david wallace told michael in confidence was that the Buffalo branch would be closing. Mm -hmm. And Michael decides, Michael and Holly decide to, well, first of all, I I guess they thought it was public knowledge, and they put that in their skit. And that is how the entire company found out that Buffalo would be closing. So that (laughs) brought the curtain down really quick on their play, and um, they were, you know, ushered off stage. Uh, So just not a really successful skit, but I know that Michael had a good time doing it.
1: Why do you think David would trust Michael with that information? Again, considering every, everything that has happened this season. I mean, Michael Scott Paper Company aside, we had the lecture circuit, which went very poorly. We had uh, stress relief where Dwight almost burned down the building and cut the face off a CPR dummy. And,
0: and Michael has like, quit and, 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 and started, I mean, <laughs> started his own it's, competing thing company.
1: After thing after thing. And so I just have to, I mean, I love David. But I have to question his judgment and how much he trusts Michael sometimes. I don't know if maybe Horrible, he was trying yeah. to win him back over after it's sort of being his fault that Michael left in the first place. Uh, and he does <laughs> bring up a good point where, I mean, it should have been a dead giveaway that the fact that Buffalo Branch was there right. <laughs> should should let them know they that don't know. they don't know. But, I mean, it, it's just bad things happening on both sides of the equation, sort of.
0: Yeah, I have no idea why David told Michael. Um, Yeah. I thought of that too. I was like, there's really no reason I can think of that. That would make sense. But yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, Michael has to hand Holly back over to AJ and he was really mature. He, um, hands her over. He says that, you know, he says goodbye and gives her a hug and shakes AJ's hand, I think. And, um, then he's a talking head where it's, it's the sweetest thing. He says, our relationship's going to take a while. Um, but we'll get there. He says, maybe she'll be seeing someone one year. I'll be seeing someone the next year, but we'll get there eventually. I'm in no rush. And it's just, it's just good. It's just perfect. Um, really, really mature moment for Michael.
1: Yeah. That last part is huge because when, when have we seen Michael not in a rush to get with the woman aside from with Holly? Uh, so we're, we're seeing a huge amount of growth and maturity from him.
0: He's just willing to wait, which she's never been willing to do with anything, not even just women. Yeah.
1: Um, but my favorite moment between Michael and Holly is actually after the skit when they're sitting together, and you know, Michael says, Yeah, maybe we shouldn't have included the buffalo thing. And Holly says, Hindsight, you know, hindsight's 2020. And he says, Michael says, Yeah, we should have had hindsight. <laughs> he doesn't understand the phrase. <laughs> uh, but it looks in that moment, they just sort of sit there and sort of stew in each other's company. And it looks like Michael is about to bring up the whole soup snake thing and you think it to me at least and i might be just reading into it to me it looks like holly almost was expecting it like okay here it comes i don't know what her reaction would have been but to me it looked like she was ready for michael to make some sort of grand romantic gesture like michael is want to do Um, but they both refrain and instead michael says you know what we have lots of material for next year's sketch so basically saying i look forward to doing this again with you i enjoyed today let's do it again and she reciprocates she says i i can't wait and yeah and it, it's just a really sweet moment where there was a lot that could have happened and it might have ruined everything it might have changed everything in michael's favor we don't know but instead of risking anything or ruining what she has with aj he just says I enjoyed my time with you today and I look forward to the next time we get to do it. And that's awesome for Michael.
0: And I found myself wondering how much did Holly know about what happened at lecture circuit? Um, Cause she wasn't there. Of course, AJ was and the rest of her branch was um, and she came back to a sweater with a missing sleeve. So <laughs> something went down. Um, and I find myself wondering like how much did she, how much was was she filled in on? Presumably her boyfriend would have told her everything, you know? So I'm sure she was expecting some big talk that she never got.
1: And I just had a thought, too. That document, that letter that she wrote to Michael was sitting on her desktop of her computer. And who knows how long it had been sitting there. What if Michael wasn't smart enough to copy the file before he put it on his flash drive? And so all of a sudden she comes home to work and that file's and not there insane. anymore after Michael's right? been there. And so maybe that, that sort of expectant look that I was noticing was her expecting him to say something about the letter. Um, yeah. Maybe. That, that's just uh. something I just thought of. I don't know. But that would sort of explain things. Uh, so. <laughs> <moving> <laughs> A lot on, on the things. Michael Holly front. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pam, they her and Jim are trying to make an impression and be seen at the party quick enough so that they can leave. But then Pam gets roped into playing volleyball and turns out she's really, really good. And, uh, I wanted to address this because I alluded to it back when we discussed job there in season four. Uh, she said at her high school gym, yeah, I have lots of memories here faking PMS. so I don't have to play volleyball or so I don't have to play basketball. And yet here she is, Playing volleyball Killing like a champ. <laughs> and, I mean, that—that's. this is a sort of popular discussion topic in office groups that I've seen at least. Uh, because it seems like a contradiction. I personally think there's some easy explanations. Like, maybe she only did it at school to avoid pressure from her peers. But she mentions that she did volleyball camp every summer. So, I mean, I would imagine she'd get more practice then anyways uh, during the summers. Uh, (laughs) or maybe she only faked pms a few times to to get out of playing things and that's still a memory that she could have uh, of getting out of playing volleyball it just wasn't an every time thing so she still got the practice not that big a deal but as i said i alluded to it back in job fair and so i thought i'd sort of bring that full circle now because it's not really that big a deal but we like to cover the details so
0: maybe she played club
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we <you> go. <laughs> that, that works for me. It's
0: it's the little things that make <laughs> us, you know, <laughs> experts, right? <laughs> um. Yeah. So they are doing really well, Scranton, because of Pam. Otherwise, not a great team, but Pam's really holding them together, and so they they find that they are quickly. Uh, progressing in this tournament and they are i believe at the finals with with corporate mm-hmm. um everyone is really tired everyone wants to sit down go eat because they didn't expect to do this well so they're kind of bummed that they're still playing um and pam just has this little trip and and she slips and um hurts her ankle i guess and um we should mention that char that uh charles Minor is here, yeah. and I'm sure we'll get to that in a second, but um, he feels very strongly about the fact that Jim take Pam to the doctor, to the hospital, to get this looked at, because this is your fiancé, like, you're really putting a, a uh, work volleyball game over your fiancé's health, you need to go get this sorted out, uh, and of course, they are playing corporate at this time, so I, hypothetically, if Pam leaves, the team fails and they forfeit, so... Jim takes her to the hospital and they're going to go run some tests and they ask all the questions, you know, any health concerns you need to know about. Are you pregnant? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Dwight. Not Dwight. That would be weird. Jim. <laughs> That's a whole different story. That's a fan fiction somewhere. Um, Dwight. Again. Okay, Jim, wow. Jim gets Jim is called into the room and we never hear what happens, but it's That's made very very clear. So it, it's such good editing. It's incredible. We never hear what happens. We just see reactions and it's very clear uh what what is happening. Um we see the doctor and Pam in a room and the cameras on the outside of the glass and you see Pam just Oh my gosh! Like completely white. Um, and Jim goes in and just starts crying and hugging Pam and comes out tells uh tells Dwight on the phone to send in the subs. Starts crying and goes in the room and uh, you can surmise that that Pam is pregnant.
1: Yeah, and that's the end of the episode too. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, we'll be back with season six next week. <laughs> so there's no big pregnant pause in between. Pregnant
0: pause. Nicely done.
1: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's it's so great. It's such great acting from John Krasinski, especially. But man, it, it it we're we're happy for them, obviously, because Jim and Pam has been the the central uh, romantic relationship going through the whole course of the show. And after seeing the the awkwardness of season one and Jim's suffering of season two and Season three, more awkwardness, and then finally getting together. Here we are, and they're getting ready to to start a family together. And so they're in it for the long run, for sure. At least it seems that way. So we're happy about that. Talking about other people in the episode; uh, those are the main things. But just to note, Andy still seems to have that crush on Aaron. Uh, It was initially a sort of competition between Dwight and Andy. Dwight maybe seems to have moved on uh andy asks dwight to put aaron on his row for volleyball uh, presumably because he just wants to be near her because he's still crushing on her pretty hard uh dwight either misinterprets or intentionally misinterprets thinking that andy wants him on the same row so that she can set him up so that he can spike the ball and he's like oh you sly dog (laughs) (laughs) and so dwight puts him next to phyllis instead who is supposedly the best setter on the team. Uh, But we see Andy's competitive side come out. Uh, Some of that uh, anger management maybe start to leak a little bit. Uh, (laughs) Aaron isn't the best volleyball player from what we see, and so when she makes mistakes, he, being competitive despite his crush, uh, yells at her, Are you blind? Can you see out of your eyeballs? And he (laughs) tries to play that one off by directing it to somebody on the other team. And then he does the same thing to Kevin and uh, we it's just pointing out that he still seems to, to like her. And there's a moment later where he, she does make a good play and she scores against corporate and shows that she's competitive too. And Andy is behind her and just sort of like silently admires her. So we'll see if that develops further next season.
0: I mentioned that Charles was at the picnic, uh, of course, playing with corporate and he's back at it for Jim. He just, nothing's changed. First thing he says is, uh, must be nice to get a rest from all your rest.
1: Like what? A passive aggressive jerk bag.
0: I, that just gets under my skin and, ah. um, so he, things are not better between Jim and Charles. And of course, Charles, um, Pam swears she's fine, I'm fine, my ankle's fine, I can walk on it, we're good. And Charles really pushes for um for Jim to take her to the hospital because this is a corporate injury, he says. Yeah. Okay. Mm. <laughs> okay. Um, so Charles is there. Um, and then a fun character we get this episode is Dwight's friend Rolf, um, who for some reason is involved. <laughs> With this company picnic. I don't believe he works for Dunder Mifflin. Um, No. But people brought their families. So Dwight brought Rolf. And he is very much on Dwight's side uh, regarding Dwight's romantic encounters, specifically Angela. Rolf has apparently heard about um, Angela's heartbreak. Well, Dwight's heartbreak from Angela he is in charge of sending in subs for the volleyball game. And so Angela volunteers to play. Rolf says, I don't hear cheaters, tramps, a woman who break my friend's heart. And, um, Angela says, Kevin now at six, seven, or is that too much accounting for you? Rolf says, here's an accounting question for you. What does one fiance plus one lover equal answer one whore. So he's, uh, vehemently on, on Dwight's side. Um, just a, kind of a fun, mean character to throw in the mix, I guess.
1: Yeah, I've got to say, after that that first moment when he says, you know, I don't hear cheaters, tramps, or women who break my friend's heart. I'm on his side. Like, good for him for aligning himself with Dwight. But then he trash talks corporate and says some really foul things that I'm not going to repeat. Right. <laughs> and then he says that second thing to Angela, call, calls her a whore to, his fa- to her face. And Dwight actually stands up for her. In that moment. Yeah. He, he's he's officially taken it too far. Uh, he says, knock it off, leave it alone. And he, Dwight just sort of nods at Angela, like, I acknowledge you, you're welcome. We're cool between us. Is sort of the vibe I get. And Angela looks pleased. And it, it's a nice moment for Dwight, who's also showing maturity. We talked about how Michael has matured. This is Dwight maturing too. And sort of not letting bygones be bygones necessarily, but it's it's putting the their troubled relationship in the past because really i mean it's what's done is done and it, it's yeah am holding it over her so I, I like that moment for what it says about dwight as well Hmm. well funny stuff i suppose please okay starting with our cold open which i love this cold open this is I, and you me too we'll talk about this cold open very often either i've um, always liked this one i think it's so yeah, funny I, I, it's It's a great cold open because it features everyone minus Michael (laughs) conspiring together to leave work early. Michael has fallen asleep thanks to eating chicken pot pie, an entire chicken pot pie, an entire family sized chicken pot pie for lunch. As Jim is so careful to uh, specify. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And there's lots of fun little moments throughout this entire cold open from Aaron whispering into the phone that Michael isn't here, but she'll give the message when he gets up. I mean, I mean back <laughs> to the, gym rephrasing himself as I just did to uh, him saying they're avoiding waking him and you think, Oh, they're trying to get work done. And it's no, we're going to fast forward the clocks and then we'll wake him up because we want to leave work early. So they're, they're there's just so many funny episodes. I could list a few other things, or moments, but uh, I could list a few other things, but are there any highlights for you in that cold open? Yeah,
0: I like that they get barefoot when they go into Michael's oh, office yeah, as yeah. to not make footsteps. <laughs> right. um, they change all the clocks. They they sneak in and change Michael's watch, his computer, and his car clock, so they break into his car. Um, of course, all the office clocks. I mean, they really think of everything. Um, and then the synchronized wake-up, They plan to have Aaron turn on the lights and simultaneously everyone starts laughing as if someone just said a joke. And Michael just (gasps) wakes up and runs out of his office and starts laughing because he's got to be on the inside joke. (laughs) It's just it's like, oh, he had to have been there. Uh, Geography joke. And he's just, you know.
1: I love when Dwight goes out to the car and is changing his car clock and he says, like clockwork. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah. Yes. Like clockwork.
0: Exactly. I love this bit between Michael, Holly, and AJ when they first see each other. Um, It's pretty awkward, you know, of course, Michael's seeing them for the first time since, uh, well, he's seeing AJ for the first time since lecture circuit, Holly for the first time in a long time. Um, And he's offering... Really, Holly? Some lemonade? He says. Would you like some lemonade? One of you, both of you, either or. The combinations are endless. (laughs) Holly says, "Lemonade sounds great." AJ says, "I'd love an iced tea, actually." Michael says, "You can go to hell." (laughs) I'm kidding. uh sure. I will get you the best iced tea in the world. (laughs) It's just he. You think he's really serious, and I think he is serious, and then he kind of realizes what he says. Oh, I will get you the best iced tea. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um. When David confronts him and Holly about the the poor decision to include the Buffalo branch closure during their sketch, um he says David says, a kid asked him if his daddy was gonna have a job by Christmas. Like, how do I handle this? Michael uh. says, Well, he's just thinking of his own gifts. So don't worry about the little kid. <laughs> he's just he's just hoping to get Christmas gifts this year. Don't worry about him.
0: <laughs> the scene between Dwight and Pam, when Dwight is Trying to coach Pam on volleyball. He says, hey, hey, Pam, how you doing? He's talking to her like a kid. Hey, do you know if you're right-handed or left-handed? Or do you even know? What hand do you use to answer the phone?
1: Oh, <laughs> Pam so says, condescending.
0: Oh, and she, you know, Pam obviously is a good volleyball player. She says, back off Dwight. And she um, just spikes the, I, I don't know the appropriate terms. I'm not a volleyball <laughs> player. But hits the ball over the net. I think it's spike, Sure. And um, that's when she says the, maybe I played a little in junior high and in high school, maybe a little in college and went to volleyball camp most summers. <laughs>
1: summers, yeah. Summers. <laughs> I've got to say just real quick, the other Dunder Mifflin teams must be real bad because there are lots of times where Pam just serves the ball and gets a point. Like, yeah. <laughs> it just lands on the ground. Like, who? why didn't you hit the ball back? Like, at least volley at once. <laughs> Come on. Uh, Let's see. Meredith, after the the whole Buffalo incident, Meredith says, maybe we shouldn't play due to the circumstances. And this is for the final game against corporate. Dwight says, people need volleyball now more than ever. Ham says, how do you figure? Dwight says, because if we don't play, then the other team wins. (laughs) And Oscar interprets Dwight differently than I think he intends. He just says, Dwight's right corporate deserves to get its ass kicked like we need to stick it to these guys because they've put us through a lot of crap this year so that was pretty funny
0: yeah yeah we mentioned this a little bit earlier but not specifically david wallace introduces michael and holly's sketch he says a couple of employees have volunteered to entertain us with a song michael says it's a sketch now david wallace just says okay and then i have not seen this (laughs) don't blame me if it's awful
1: (laughs) yeah bad idea david you should have seen it Um, yeah (laughs) and at the end of that sketch when the the buffalo thing is out and somebody from buffalo says do we have like what's going on david says there have been talks about closing the buffalo branch and somebody says and he says we're closing the buffalo branch (laughs) Like (laughs) the step from here to here there there have been talks and it's happening.
0: <laughs> I can't really sugarcoat it. Yeah. Right. Um, I made a note that you probably loved the back to the future reference in this I did. episode. I did. Um, that's in my notes specifically for you. <laughs> and also, um, of course, after Charles makes Jim take Pam to the hospital, Dwight tries to stall the volleyball game in a number of ways. The first one of which I want to mention is how mad it makes him that that. Pam hurt her ankle and I'm I'm just so mad. And he just kicks the ball. He just, it goes flying. Um, And he just so calmly turns and said, I'll get that. And he just starts to slowly walk towards the ball, (laughs) just taking his time just to get that ball, just trying to kill time till Pam gets back.
1: And then the second thing he tries is, he says, (laughs) how many people need to get hurt before we learn a valuable lesson? One, two, three, four, and David just interrupts Dwight. He says, no, 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 hear me out. Five, (laughs) six, seven, and he tries to interrupt again. Dwight, he says, can I finish, please? Eight, (laughs) and that's the last (laughs) one we see, but I'd like to imagine it goes on and on and on and on. Uh, So good. (laughs) A couple small ones. Phyllis wanted to participate, but then she sort of regrets it. She sits on the ground during that first game before it's revealed that Pam's a volleyball ace. Um, And then when they win because of Pam, and they're going on to the next round, she says, oh, Lord in heaven, like, what did I get myself into? And then in that game, she fakes an ankle injury. She's standing there and she says, ow, my ankle. And then she, like, (laughs) jogs off the, the field. So... Uh, She clearly just didn't want to play anymore. Um, Kevin, there's a moment where he's on the field playing, on the court. He says, it's six to six. It's a nail biter. And then all of a sudden he's hit by the volleyball because he was talking to the camera from the court (laughs) rather than playing the game and paying attention. Uh, (laughs) And sorry, just a couple more small ones. Um, No, you're good. I got to point out that Meredith is wearing her Dunder Mifflin shirt like a crop top. And cowboy boots for footwear it's really strange especially for very casual friday yeah very very casual i mean thankfully her boobs aren't hanging out but uh still yeah i'm not kidding and lastly i think toby is standing with kendall who is the hr guy from corporate and they reference something that happened at the hr convention last fall and it was so funny so hilarious really funny (laughs) And that's how they say it. it, it they, that's about as high as their enthusiasm gets. It's just really funny. Yeah. It was hilarious. <laughs> They're the same person. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Deleted scenes. What do you got?
0: Deleted scenes. So we learned that Meredith actually brought her son to the company picnic, um, as did a number of other employees. But Meredith's son didn't get to enjoy the company picnic because he sassed meredith he refused to call her mom only meredith and made a crude comment towards her so she made him sit in the car for the entire day um yeah
1: we're mentioning that it's jake who is the same kid that we saw back in take your daughter to work day he's played by the same actor so yeah three years later i guess two and a half years later they got the same guy come back yeah
0: yeah
1: so that was pretty cool um there's one deleted scene where andy is serving the ball and he points to where he's going to hit it and so you see the other team just shuffle to that area and he looks upset or surprised that people would gather to where he said he was going to hit the ball and he he acts like that's a failure i mean at that point why don't you just then hit it to where people are not standing anymore because they shuffle to a different part it's silly fake them out yeah (laughs) like his logic or his common sense isn't working
0: Michael says people work all year long so they can have one nice day outside with their family, which seems infrequent at the very least. (laughs) Um, But since he doesn't have a family, he usually brings a guy from his condo complex to these things. Nice, I guess. Kind of sad. But this year he thought he'd rather spend some time catching up with his friends from the other branches, like Dan Gore, who I'm pretty sure you've never heard of. Oh, and Holly will be here. Yeah. And that guy from Akron. So yeah. <laughs> people that either don't have names or we've never heard of. Oh, and Holly.
1: Right. That so, reminds me of yeah. um, the, is it called the merger season? Uh,
0: uh-huh.
1: Yeah, it's called the merger. Okay. Uh, when Pam is like, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing some. Familiar faces and she's very clearly talking about Jim, but she won't say right. she's talking about Jim. Reminds me of that. Uh, That's
0: really good recall, man. <laughs> I remember the scene, but there's no way I'd remember the episode. That's crazy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> By the way, Utica is there. Andy and Dwight start a chant of who sucks to You sucks to until Jim stops them and apologizes on their behalf. Uh, no sign of Karen. Uh, so I, I was wondering at the time, is she still working at Dunder Mifflin or is she maybe out for maternity leave? Uh, I don't know how long it has passed. I mean, it's been a while since when we last saw her, but I mean, she would have had her kid and then had a month or two yeah. with her kid. She, I, I don't know what the timeline looks like, but I mean, in the commentary, the real story is that they just reveal that um, Rashida Jones wasn't available to shoot the episode. Yeah, so Not that big. A she, deal,
0: she probably would have mentioned her date i think she does in um or not her date but when she's due basically in uh lecture circuit so Mm
1: -hmm.
0: i may need to do some investigating to see if that lines up that'd be cool right dwight instructs everyone on how to play volleyball he asks jim to keep his hands in a triangle position in front of his face jim says that his hands actually work independently from his brain uh, so he's not able to control them. And then his hands slap Dwight on the face. It's not Jim. It's his hands. But he says, sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, Andy gets mad at his team because they hit a ball, hit the ball a few times on their side of the net. Uh, and so he catches it and he chastises them. He says, you can only hit the ball three times on each side. I don't think anybody was paying attention or cared. I don't think anybody on the other team or refereeing would have stopped them. This is a company picnic for crying out loud. They're playing with nine people on a team. Uh, It doesn't matter, but Andy is a stickler for rules. And so he tosses the ball over to the Buffalo team who they're playing at the time and their server promptly hits it into the net and then gets upset at his people on his team for moving and like distracting him, I guess. And he's like, man, what's with that guy? (laughs) Jim steps in and tries to calm everybody down. He says, we're just having fun, guys. Come on. It's a friendly game. And then Charles speaks up. Says, yeah, Jim, just pretend you're at work. You know, fun at work's fun here, right? Fun, Jim. And oh, man, he is the worst. Mm. <laughs> oh,
0: Any feelings of fairness I had towards him have gone out the window? Like, he just yeah, makes me I up. mean,
1: I, I was, I had my issues with him during the Michael Scott Paper Company run, but this episode really just sort of cements the dislike because it's like he's being spiteful that Michael... And company one, and right. that I, I don't know. It, it's it's strange.
0: Uh, there's a deleted scene with Oscar. He has a talking head. He says he had no idea about Buffalo, but he did just assumed that this whole company was going under any day now. Um, and he said, "Oh, and the head of Cat from Buffalo is a real homophobe. So, like, yeah. saying that he has it coming,
1: right?" <laughs> There's another moment where Aaron misses the ball and she laughs it off herself. But Andy yells at her, get your beautiful head in the game. And she just <laughs> turns away and smiles at the camera. So maybe she's into Andy, too, which is nice. Yeah. See what happens there? Uh, I mean, Angela has a talking head where she references that Dwight nodded at her for the first time in months today. And it made her heart sit up a little straighter in his chair. <laughs> and she knows she seems hard and cold on the outside, but her inside is... Warm as porcelain. I don't think of porcelain as being a particularly warm object or thing.
0: Not so much.
1: I mean, compared to <laughs> ice, I guess. It's
0: I guess. It's an improvement. <laughs> Last one for me, I think, since mifflin Scranton is doing surprisingly well in the volleyball game, they've stayed in for a lot for a lot longer than they had thought. Everyone's grouchy. Oscar wants to go eat. And Dwight says, just because obesity is respected in the Latino community doesn't mean you need to be a stereotype. Ouch. (laughs) Um, And he uh, tries to start a, I say Dunder, you say Mifflin chant, which they're all Dunder Mifflin, so that doesn't work. And then (laughs) Meredith intentionally throws the game so that they can all sit down because they're all just so tired.
1: Yeah. And when you say throws the game... She literally throws the ball into Dwight's head. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's (laughs) because he just
1: says, just serve the (laughs) ball, idiot. And so she serves it into his head, and that loses the game.
0: (laughs) That's that commentary. So we had Ken Quapis, Jen Salata, and Paul Aberstein in this one. As you mentioned, it was episode 100 um, and the end of season five. So they use this 100th episode as an excuse to kind of bring back a lot of familiar faces. Which is, it's not why we got Holly, but it's kind of why we got Holly in this episode. Um, Because it was number 100, they wanted it to be sort of a reunion of sorts. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, They said that they came up with the idea for the episode at the start of season five. Um, And this was sort of, this conversation was initially started. King Kwapka said, You know, what led to that? What led to you writing about volleyball? Because it was a pain to direct, (laughs) Uh, having to figure all that kind of stuff out. Um, So they knew they were heading this way. the corporate team was apparently awful, uh, so they almost had to make everybody else worse by comparison. And then there was another time Ken Kwapis said, yeah, during like a break or something, we had Utica and the Dunder Mifflin teams played just to play, to, to warm up. Uh, but the Utica, team, the Utica team killed Dunder Mifflin and sort of made everybody kind of depressed. And so they were like, yeah, let's go back to the scene now. Yeah. <laughs> And then they also talked about how they didn't really know the rules of volleyball. So they had nine people on a team. They didn't know about rotations. They didn't know how many times you could hit on each side or whatever. Um, so there's that.
0: <laughs> they mentioned that this episode had so many more speaking parts than most episodes. Ken estimated 30 speaking parts, which seems on the high side, but maybe that's accurate. Um, but there were definitely a lot because I mean, almost everyone at Scranton got, got, got something to say and then all the other characters that we don't normally get had speaking lines as well. So that was an editorial uh, challenge.
1: Mm -hmm. The angry guy in the Ray-Bans who was on, I don't remember what team he was on. It was the blue shirts. I think Um, Mm -hmm. that was Dave Rogers who was an editor for the show. Uh, And he'd long been sort of campaigning to be a shrewd. He wanted to be a shrewd along with Jen Salata. uh, But instead he got this little cameo instead. So angry Don't guy. Don't we all want to be a how, they, <laughs> how they, <refer> to him.
0: <laughs> they talked about how in season three or four, the show really became about an office full of people and their relationships rather than just having a few leads. It turned into an ensemble show, which uh, is kind of why we love it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not, it's, it's an ensemble show, which is really nice.
1: And they also sort of talked about the fan community as well, because uh, in this episode, they actually featured uh, a, a woman named Jenny Tam who she, she's actually introed in a deleted scene that we didn't talk about. Uh, and they mm-hmm. actually use her real name too. Uh, but she uh, appears a couple times in the episode. She's the creator of the popular office fan site, office tally.com, uh, which was, I mean, especially popular during the run of the show. Um, and so they actually got her involved for this special episode, which is pretty cool that they sort of reached out to the community and got a community representative to participate with the show.
0: That means if there's ever a a remake, they'll ask us, right?
1: I hope so. Yeah.
0: We're available. Um, Paul, who of course was in the commentary, thinks that Steve Carell kind of created who Toby is, who the character of Toby ended up being, because Steve was the one that created the Toby hate. Mm -hmm. It wasn't written in, Steve just put this on, that every time Toby would enter the room, Michael just was like physically repulsed by him and they, and they laugh at how easily Steve puts on this, like right. <laughs> just hatred in his body. Yeah, like um, It's, it's, it's just twitch. instantaneous. And so they wrote that in because he was just so good at it.
1: Really interesting. Some of the serves from, well, probably all of the serves from Jenna Fisher were actually CGI'd because yeah. she, one, she's not a volleyball person. And two, she actually has some sort of arm injury where I think they said she can't do things like above her shoulder level with her arms. uh, Or at
0: least like couldn't at the time.
1: Yeah, I I don't know exactly the details, but they would have her mime the movement and then they would have everybody on the enemy team uh, mime receiving it. And so a lot of the time we see the volleyball, it's actually CGI, which is crazy because I don't think I would have noticed it. Well, I still... I haven't, like, tried to notice it, but I didn't notice it just watching that episode. Right.
0: Steve, they quote, having said that Amy Ryan, who plays Holly, is just such a gift to work with that he was so thrilled to have her back for this episode. And they note that she has no comedy on her reel before, um, before The Office. She was never a comedian, which is amazing because she, is, she fits into this cast so well. Now she has comedy. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, they talk about the security that was res- regarding the big reveal at the end. They they didn't include it in the scripts. Uh, they had sort of watermarked discs that they actually handed to NBC as well. So it, it was super top secret that nobody know ahead of the episode airing that uh, Pam is pregnant now. So that, that was interesting.
0: Paul joked that they wrote the Dunder Mifflin skit bit. Um, exactly in Steve's sweet spot because he comes from an improv sketch comedy background and he'd been doing skits on stage for 20 plus years. So that was just exactly what he had been trained to do. So it was so natural and perfect.
1: The last one for me, at least you might have a couple more. Um, Ken Quapis regards, he he said he, he gave a note to John Krasinski in that final scene at the hospital uh, to not ah, forget cool. the cameraman, and so, if you watch that scene, it it's supposed to sort of play as Jim has built this relationship with the camera people of this documentary crew over the past couple of years, the past couple of seasons for us of the show. And so there are a couple of glances at the camera that sort of show that bond that they have formed over time, even though the camera isn't ne- isn't a speaking character, it's an present part of the show and a part of this, these people's lives. So he was sort of sharing that moment with somebody who he's always around, which is really cool.
0: That's such a good acting note. That's so, so smart. I do have a couple more. Um, they originally had another scene in the mix where they hinted that Pam might be pregnant without saying it. Cause they wasn't, sh- they, they weren't sure how clear the scene that we got was going to be when they saw that it was so incredibly clear without saying anything that they just had to use just that it was perfect as it was so they didn't hint towards it although i would have been curious as to what that hint would have been Mm -hmm. and then the last one for me is i'm curious as to how many times in a commentary they will mention that andy buckley who plays david works in finance (laughs) in real life because it's every time he's in an episode they're like oh did you know that he works as a he's a finance dude (laughs) Every time. Like, yeah, I I did. I did
1: know. Uh, I guess it's been a different crew every time they've mentioned. Yeah. They just don't communicate to each other what they tell. I don't know. Right. (laughs) Okay. So as we do for our season finales, there's lots of bonus material to talk about as well. So patience, because some of it's really cool. First off, we've got the gag reel. And first off, I want to say that the gag reel is so much fun to me because when you see these people like actually laughing at themselves, you can see how similar it is to their laughter of their characters in the show. And so that sort of gives an an additional feel of genuine uh, relationship and genuine reaction to the acting is that their, their acting laughs seem the same as their natural laughs, which is really cool to me. So just kind mm. that.
0: Did you have any moments from the guy grill you wanted to mention?
1: Uh, I, I, I took note of a lot of them. Um, let me see if I can find one that made me laugh the most. If you want to mention one first.
0: Yeah. Um, here's one Moroccan Christmas. It's a, it's a takeout from that where Michael asks Toby to write down the name of the rehab center to take Meredith. Um, but Paul writes F you on the sticky note <laughs> instead. And Steve just like dies. And as we know from, from previous uh from previous commentaries, Steve doesn't lose it a whole lot. You wouldn't know that by watching the gag reel because it's mostly right. him, it seems. But he is <laughs> the one to break it the least. He does not break character. He does not like to break character. Um, But when he does, it's, it just, I, <laughs> I laugh like, so hard because he's, he's just gambling. so funny. Yeah. Yeah. He just like melts. <laughs> <laughs> he rolled out for
1: It's I love him. Uh, one of my favorites was uh Ed, An outtake from Lecture Circuit where Michael says, Would a liar bring many mounds bars? And so Pam is supposed to throw out the mounds bars. And so she has this armful and she throws them, and they like all go with this one lady at the front row. And so she's like, (laughs) Here you go, have all of my mounds bars. It was so funny.
0: It's an outtake from Prince Family Paper where uh, Rain and Steve are doing the lick your lips bit. And um, Rain does this take where he's got a bunch of food in his mouth and he's licking his lips like he does all huge. And then he laughs and all the food just like spews out of his mouth onto Steve. And Rain's just like, oh, dude, I'm so sorry. And he gets out this rag and just starts wiping Steve's face. And it's like, oh, okay.
1: Uh, this one's not so much funny as it was just like, oh yeah, they're in California where they, they're recording in the break room, and an earthquake happens, and so they they stopped the the like recording. Well, not the the the, the camera was still going obviously because we have it in the gag reel, but uh, they included the footage. And as Steve says in the the gag reel, it says for the for the DVD extra, and so yeah, the DVD extra uh, of uh, an earthquake happening on set, so.
0: I'm so stupid. My first thought was like, you know how rare it must be to have like an earthquake at the northeast. <laughs> I was like, right, Katie, they're not in screen. It's a comedy show that <laughs> is yeah. filmed in California. <laughs> Great. And then we get a couple of behind the scenes shots of the directors and crew on the set filming, which is kind of cool. Like mm-hmm. we don't get to see their faces and I I don't really know what they look like except from these bonus things, so it's it's cool to see them in action and kind of tucked away I feel like a lot of the behind the scenes stuff I've seen have been for movies or for, um, Oh, what's the the TV style where it's, it's uh, like a multi-camera situation. So you have like, think of friends where they have a like a live studio audience and, and sets like that, where they're kind of one-sided. This is a room. It's an office um, basically without some of the ceiling tiles. Like that's what it is. And so you'll see the, the, Um, crew sitting on Kevin's desk while they film, you know, what's going on over there. So it's, it's kind of cool to see them like in the office filming. Uh,
1: One of the other scenes that really made me laugh was Andy reading the weird directions to shroot farms and Angela (laughs) just could not keep it together. Uh, So some of the things that made her break was walk until you hear the beehive. If you get, if you are attacked by territorial crows (laughs) if you smell bear pee turn the other way (laughs) those all made her crack out
0: we could go on and on on those Um, Uh, but but just watch it if you want to laugh the next one is there is a there's one called 100 episodes 100 moments which was interesting basically they just played a couple of seconds of each episode in order for the first 100 episodes so you get you know sort of a recap of the whole series nothing really to mention besides that.
1: No. And there was a lengthy Q and a from the Academy of television arts and sciences. Um, We're not going to go super in depth on that, but I think we each wrote down just a few things. Uh, There was one part where they're, they're sort of talking about living on the set and how they, they need to make it seem like a functioning work environment. And, they talk about how they're all very good at playing the part of being in an office and doing the roles that are required of them in that office, even when they're not the main people on camera. They're sort of in the background. And they, they talk about even even the fact that there's all their computers on their desks are fully functioning, internet-connected, uh, games, internet, email, instant messaging. And so they're they're using all that to their advantage. Sometimes, I mean, when they're not on camera, they might be playing a game, but when they're on camera, they're doing their best to appear like they're having work and doing work, which is pretty cool.
0: It sounds exhausting. And I think about it from like a, a filming point of view. You have to have all those actors there all the time mm-hmm. just to have them in the background. So it's, I'm sure, a nightmare to organize. I didn't realize that this was Paul Lieberstein's first acting role, which is crazy. Um, he was a writer forever and they threw him into an acting role and Brian Baumgartner actually taught him about continuity, which is a huge thing when you're you know, acting on screen, um, is that they film the same thing over and over and you kind of have to remember what you were doing. Okay, I was sitting this way or my coffee cup was half full or, you know, whatever. My hair was parted on this side. Uh, a lot of times you'll have people to help you with that, but uh, Paul had no idea about this as an actor. And so Brian, who plays Kevin, had to kind of teach him about continuity, but he taught him in season three. <laughs> so... <laughs> The first two seasons, apparently, Toby was just all over the place.
1: <laughs> uh, Rain Wilson talking about sort of getting into the Dwight role. He said, You know, I, I've seen every episode of the BBC version, unlike Steve Carell. Uh, he says, You know, unlike Steve, I tried to copy everything that my counterpart did in the BBC version, uh, who was played by Mackenzie Crook. And he says, But I'm just really bad at imitating. So that's how he got. <laughs> And he jokes that, you know, the character really fell into place when he got the hair, the the, the middle part, and the the specific glasses, and the mustard shirt, and the calculator watch. And it, he says, you know, my grandmother could play the role of Dwight. You just need all those things going for you. You just need to have the the props, basically, and then it's easy to fall into the character, so...
0: My last one actually was very similarly related to that. I had Steve's one where he didn't watch the original Office because he didn't want to copy Ricky Gervais. But now that I think about it, he was so spot on with the pilot, which of course was basically a shot-for-shot remake of the pilot of the UK Office, that it's amazing that he didn't watch the original because his just kind of general sleaziness in in season one where he's just like a used car salesman kind of guy was so spot on um, that I can't believe he hadn't watched it before.
1: Uh, Brian Baumgartner reveals that he originally read for Stanley, uh, but he knew after sort of interacting with the casting crew that if he was going to get a role and get cast in the show, it was going to be as Kevin. So when he read for Stanley, he read it as if he were Kevin as he saw Kevin, which is sort of mm. backwards. But that, that's just sort of how he approached the audition. That's how he got the part.
0: Yeah. Uh, anything else you wanted to mention from the Q&A? Uh,
1: no, we can move on. Yeah. Let's go on to the promos.
0: The promos, they had um, some for the Beijing Olympics, were which were being advertised at this time. Uh, they were that summer there is one promo where Dwight suggests a, instead of a decathlon, a centathlon, 100 sports, uh, including front jump, back jump, side jump, animal mimicry, wall climbing, cup stacking, hide the hamster. Um, so, which is my favorite, hide the hamster. And that was just his, their little homage to the Olympics.
1: Right. Some more of the the highlights from that one for me, uh, boat repair, projectile mm-hmm. spitting, q Name rejection pain <laughs> tolerance <laughs> die like uh like dungeons and dragons die casting uh, mm. pizza making sign me up sign me up voting as an olympic sport i don't know um, okay. cabinet making murder ball and murder checkers <laughs> <laughs>
0: The less athletic version.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Michael says in his own promo that he likes watching women's volleyball, but not not for the <laughs> reason you think. Don't worry. He just enjoys watching beautiful tall women horsing around on the beach. It's like the swimsuit issue, but he doesn't care about the swimsuit. He cares about what's underneath. But maybe that's just him. <laughs> well, is Michael who has a talking head at some point? I, I couldn't name the episode right now, but it, I think it's something to the effect of: I think Omen looks best when she's wearing nothing at all. Yeah, when she's <laughs> completely naked. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then there are some other promos for. It seems like they were for the Olympics as well, although they they weren't under the same category. It was for um, the
1: uh, Super Bowl football championship. Oh, that's right. Super Bowl. It was. uh, XLII, um, XLIII. Yeah, yeah. Football championships. That's what it was. Yes.
0: Um, one of them is Michael's wearing an athletic cup and asks people to punch him in the crotch. Uh, Jim refuses. Dwight says he'll do it, but instead kicks him in the ki- kicks him in the shin. Dwight says, "If you want a predictable fight, don't fight with me." <laughs> so Michael comes out wearing shin guards and a cup. Dwight punches him in the stomach. He also throws a stapler near his head and hits him in the neck with an orange. <laughs> so he's a, a uh, experimental fighter, I guess.
1: Right. And then the other football promo was Michael adopted the practice of slapping butts to communicate a job well done, uh, or if they've done a really good job, sort of like fondling their butts for an extended period. He does that with, with two hand. hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just started cupping it. Uh, Pam has a talking head. She says, we're afraid of doing even an adequate job. And Oscar says, our productivity has dropped 40%. I think Michael may have actually started the recession. <laughs> and it ends with Jim avoiding Michael, only to slap Michael on the butt, making, or hard, actually. And it makes Michael walk off almost limping. And I think that probably ended it there. We have... Two webisodes or two kind of series of webisodes in this one.
0: Uh the first of which is Kevin's loan. Mm -hmm. It goes uh it's it's a four-part webisode, four episodes, if you will, that are just a few minutes long. Um basically the arc is in the first one, Kevin is bugging Oscar with questions regarding a loan. Oscar thinks Kevin is going to commit fraud and use his small business loan to pay off his gambling debts, but Kevin is going to open up a small ice cream shop instead called Malone's Cones. So the second episode is called Malone's Cones. Kevin meets a loan officer and discusses his plans for Malone's Cones. The business is, of course, very ill-planned. It is Kevin, after all. He doesn't even plan on making ice cream. He's just going to buy it from the store and sell it in a cart. In Exposed Wires, which is the third part, Daryl sees Kevin dealing with someone who he owes money to. Hearing about Kevin's business plan, he takes interest and he and Kevin agree that Kevin will never get a loan. He's a nervous, sweaty dude, but Daryl can get it and make some money off the deal. So, in the last one, Taste the Ice Cream, Daryl and Kevin meet with a different loan officer than Kevin had met previously. And Daryl has her taste the ice cream. He's doing the whole salesman bit. She says it tastes like briars because, of course, it is. The original loan officer comes in and says that they've already passed on this loan. Daryl asks him to taste the ice cream, but uh, he asks if they make it or bought it. Kevin runs, and we see him on the street corner selling $10 cones out of a cart. That was a lot of explanation.
1: (laughs) That's okay. Uh, Next one. Uh, That was Kevin's loan. The second one was called The Outburst, and it's a little bit more simple uh, it starts with oscar being on the phone and he's shouting he's angry he says it's the last time i've got a life too and so the others speculate Well, andy says i, I think he's upset oh doy thanks andy and <laughs> then everybody decides okay we need to figure out what it is for oscar's sake not because we're snooping and want to know about his private life but for oscar's sake we want to make sure he's okay um and so andy offers a hundred dollars to whoever figures it out and Cree takes him up on it. Uh, Oscar gets a second call on his cell phone and asks for an apology. Doesn't sound sincere. And so noticing that everybody else is watching, he leaves. So the whole rest of it is everybody trying to sneakily or not so sneakily get this information out of Oscar. Um, Kevin follows him to the bathroom. Andy approaches him to the break room. And then Creed scares him off and tries to do the same thing and actually tells Oscar about the, quote, bounty on the info surrounding his (laughs) tirade. And that, he'd split it 25-25 if he shared. So Creed would actually be keeping $75 and only giving yeah. 25 to Oscar. Um, Oscar, as a talking, guest says, you know, I'd only talk about this with my friends and none of them work here. So now we know how Oscar stands with everybody. Um, I want to linger on one point because it's sort of a kind of a WTF kind of thing. Phyllis approaches him and he says, you know, you made it our business when you spoke loudly on the phone in the middle of the office. Oscar retaliates and says I didn't bother you when Bob Vance, Vance Federation was put to trial and so we don't get any details about that but she says he was acquitted, he was uh, exonerated Uh, and then she has this brief talking head where she says none of the witnesses showed up. So there were multiple witnesses but none of them showed up? And Hmm. he was exonerated. This sounds awfully like Mafia to me. I, I don't I know. I mean, I'm not accusing him of anything, but we know he's pretty <laughs> well off. I don't know how profitable the restaurant or the, the refrigeration industry is, but uh, I don't know. It sounds suspicious to me.
0: And I mean, we have that deleted scene from a long time ago where we learned that Phyllis and Bob on their honeymoon,
1: yeah, in Africa,
0: like killed something in a soccer uniform on accident. Oh, no. It was probably a what do they say? A, the cheetah or i don't know something in a soccer uniform so yeah. they have a sketchy uh, private life that we don't know about
1: yeah i, I don't know i just thought i'd <laughs> that real quick um so the rest of it kelly tries to find out by borrowing his cell phone to because it's a new swanky new cell phone and then she's disappointed because it's password protected and so the the culmination of all of this is andy and kevin raid his desk and computer when he steps away And they search his email for affair and for illicit sex. and (laughs) So that's the last straw for Oscar after being berated all day long. He goes to file a complaint against Andy and Kevin for going through his stuff. But Toby says, you know, I'd I'd probably need to know what the phone call was about to file a complaint. And so Toby's trying to get on the action, too. And then Kevin and Andy come in and say, we want to file a complaint against Oscar. We're having this outburst in a public space in the first place and then not telling anybody what it was about. And finally, Oscar relents and he says, okay, fine. It was a phone call with the cable guy, the cable company, because he didn't show up on Saturday when I waited for four hours. And then they sent somebody this morning after I waited for two hours and he was too fat to fit in the crawl space. And that's that. And so everybody's real disappointed. They thought it was like some sort of passionate love affair, uh, big drama, drama. Dramatic thing, and it was a phone call with a cable guy. And it ends with Oscar getting another phone call from the cable guy and leaving to tend to that at his home. So, yeah, in the middle of the workday, yeah. So, that is the outburst,
0: and that is all of our bonus material for season five.
1: And so happy episode of the office,
0: (laughs) And that is all of season five, yeah. So that is the end of our official fifty-third episode of an American Workplace. You can contact us at facebook.com/workplacepod or at workplacepod on Twitter. If you would like to rate, review, and/or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, you are more than welcome to do so. You can email feedback and ideas to workplacepod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at ktlady623, which is probably the best place, or at facebookcom
1: white. And the best place to find me, as always, is also on Twitter at Chadadada, that is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Also, Facebook.com slash Chad.Hopkins and my other podcast, Cinescope. You can find where podcasts can be found and at the Podcast.com, as well as our other show notes and contact information, which you can find at WorkplacePodcast.com. And we mentioned Michael at the start of the episode. He's our newest Patreon. If you want a shout-out and more of An American Workplace each week, including access to our discussion outline and notes, a logo sticker, bonus episodes every week, and live streams, we're streaming live right now. We do have one viewer, so hello, one viewer. I don't know who you are. Uh, But thanks for watching. And (laughs) it's also available after the fact if you want to watch us, uh, like actually watch us, you can do that. Uh, So if you want to do those things, check out our Patreon page, pick the support level that you think is worth it to you, that is at patreon.com slash workplace pod.
0: That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode 53 of An American Workplace. Make sure to join us at episode 54 for our discussion on the next two, on the first two episodes of season six, Gossip and The Meeting. Bye. Bye. Bye.